Welcome to Real Personal Finance. I'm your host, Scott Frank, CFP, CFA charter holder, and founder of Stone Steps Financial. And I'm your host, James Canole, CFP, MBA, and owner of Root Financial Partners. The premise of our show is simple. Money can be confusing, but it doesn't have to be. Our goal is to answer real personal financial questions that we hear from our clients and our listeners. Each episode, we answer one personal financial question in a clear and understandable way. Because money is a tool. And when you understand the language of money, you can make better decisions to improve your financial life. Hey, James. Hey, Scott. How's it going? I'm good, man. Uh, No surf this week because it's going to rain and we're not allowed to get in the water for 72 hours since there's going to be bacteria and nastiness. Yeah. Yeah. so instead of doing that, um, I, I th- in thinking about surfing, I think we should get our mind off of that and we should help people focus on ways that they can save for college today. Wow. Did That's you like exactly my transition? exactly what I like to think about when I'm not <laughs> surfing. <laughs> it's an awesome transition, right? Because isn't this what everyone wants to think about? Gosh, you know what? I had something totally different planned for the agenda, but now that you mention it, that, that works perfect. You Done. Know, no yeah. surf. Let's talk about college. What do we got? Perfect. Okay, so uh, here's here's the idea for those of you listening. Uh, there's lots of ways you can save for college. Some of them you may know about and some you may not know about, and they all have their pros and cons. So just want to give you an overview of the types of things you can invest in, the types of accounts, and what the benefits could be and what the downsides of those things could be. Mm-hmm. Um what do you think? Anything else you want to add to that? No, I think that's great. I think this is a, an area of planning that, that tends to overwhelm people. And so I think most people just, they, they want to send their kids to college. They want to know, how can I do this? Whether it's kids or grandkids or whatever it may be. And so today is just about bringing some simple solutions to that. Just saying, what are your options? And like you mentioned, when might each option be appropriate uh, based upon what you are ultimately looking to do? Cool. So let's dive in. Um, how about we start with the one, the account that we is growing in more and more in popularity. People are becoming familiar with the name, um, but they may not fully understand all the ins and outs. Let's talk about 529 plans. 529 plans. Awesome. So like you said, when people talk about college and opening a college account, typically what they're talking about, I think, is a, a 529 plan. Yeah. You know, the 529 plan is kind of the traditional college savings account, and people know the name, but I'm not sure they know exactly how it works, what it can be used for, how it can be used, and some things to look out for. So let's start with this. Why don't I start talking about some of the benefits of this, and we'll go through when might you want to use it, and then we'll cover some of the the downsides or some of the things you need to be thinking of with that as well. Yeah, and then just some info on it, too, because there's some points that people might miss about 529s. Perfect. So let's jump in. So 529 plan, the benefit is anything that you save or invest into a 529 plan, um, you put the money in the plan, you can invest it in mutual funds, index funds, whatever it may be, just like you could in any other investment account. And from there, the benefit of a 529 plan is as you're adding money to it and it's growing for you and you're earning interest or dividends or, or just growing your money, that growth is not taxed, assuming you use it for what are called qualified educational expenses, which we'll touch upon in a second. So just to give an example, let's assume that you, you just had a child and let's assume that for the next 18 years, you say you're going to save $250 per month into a 529 plan for that child. And let's also assume that that money grows by 7% per year. So you're growing it, it's, you're saving, you're growing, you're saving, you're growing. Over the course of those 18 years, between the time your child is born and the time they go to college, 
you would have put $54,000 into your 529 plan. Okay, that's $3,000 per year times 18 years. You personally have put in $54,000. Now, if you're growing by 7% per year, you would actually have $102,000 in that account. Meaning, yes, you put $54,000 in, but there was an additional $48,000 of growth. Had you simply done that on your own or outside of a 529 plan, you would pay taxes on that money. Now, the benefit of a 529 plan is assuming that you're going to use that money uh, for college. So for tuition or room and board or expenses like that, that money is completely tax-free. So it's just a way of saving a lot of money on taxes if you know that money is going to be earmarked for college in the future for your children. Cool. So, so basically what you're getting at is the money that goes into the account is not a tax deduction. But if I put money in, I've saved money, I go put it in my 529 account, it gets to grow tax-free. And so long as I use it, we use it for college expenses, it remains tax-free. Exactly. And good good point. I'm glad you clarified that. In California, which is where we are, you do not get any deduction for putting money into a 529 plan. Now, there are some states where the state may offer a deduction. So if you're outside of California, it would make sense to check to see if your state offers a plan where not only do you get tax-free growth when you invest your money, but you do also get that tax deduction on the front end. Yep. So, so yes, in California, to answer your question, that is correct. You do not get a deduction for using California's plan or any other state's plan. The real benefit is in the tax-free growth. So as that money is going up in value, you're not paying any taxes on it. Yeah. And so to everyone listening, we, you know, we kind of, we are in San Diego. So we think of this, you know, we usually speak about California as our frame of reference. Um, But there are, you know, states that do offer tax benefits for making contributions to 529 plans. And then the details get, it gets more and more detailed from there because sometimes, so just so you guys understand, there's prob- there's at least 50 different providers for 529 accounts in the country. And a lot of them will just say it's the um, California 529 plan or it's the Nevada 529 plan. And sometimes you'll think like, oh, I live in Nevada, so I have to invest in the Nevada plan. Mm-hmm. Well, that's not necessarily the case. Right. Like in California, we don't have a special benefit for using the California plan so when we're as advisors, we go look at all the plans to see where the best place is to put our clients' money, and we look at the costs, and we look at the investment options that they get to have. Mm-hmm. Exactly, exactly. So sorry, Californians, no tax benefit for the 529 plan, but if you're in a place like Arizona or Oregon or you know a, a lot of different places, I'm just looking at some surrounding states here in California, you actually do get a benefit. So it would make sense to check that out before making your your decision on where to invest your 529 plan. Yep, absolutely. So let's say that they've um, they've saved some money, they have money in there, they want to go ahead and use it. You've kind of alluded that they can use it for tuition, uh, room and board, mm-hmm. and like books and supplies. Right. You can even use it for a laptop if the if the school requires, uh, the school it, requires right. it, which I think more and more schools are going to obviously require that. Um, what can't you use it for? Good question. So there's what are called qualified educational expenses. And those are the expenses that you can take money from your 529 plan. And it's, it's considered qualified, meaning um, you're not paying taxes on that withdrawal. And then there's non-qualified. Are there just not? There's other expenses that just aren't considered qualified educational expenses. Some of those are you know, travel, 
to and from school. So if you're buying a plane ticket because you go to school far away, you can't deduct that, or you I shouldn't say can't deduct it. You can't take that money from a 529 plan. Uh, even traveling to and from campus, you know, if you if you're living off campus and you've got a 20 minute drive to school each way, you can't deduct those expenses and and, and have it come from your 529 plan. Then other things that, that people sometimes ask is student loans. You know, even though uh, you're using a student loan to pay for college and tuition oftentimes, if you take a loan out and then you're paying that loan back after college, you can't use 529 plan expenses for that. So that's one thing to keep in mind. Uh, another common one is enrollment in clubs, whether this is intramurals, it's a campus gym, it's a fraternity, a sorority. Those are all expenses through the school, but they're not qualified educational expenses. So it is important that you realize as you're planning for this, what are the expenses that you can take money from your 529 plan for? And again, the big ones are tuition, room and board up to what's what it costs to have room and board at least on campus at schools, things like that. Uh, it's equally important to know what you can't take money from your 529 plan for. Yeah, and the room and board one's important because a lot of people will live off campus. You can still pay part of that off campus amount. Right. But it's only whatever the university deems as room and board is the amount you can technically take. Exactly, exactly. If, if it costs $900 a month for room and board on campus and you get an off campus apartment that's some great apartment, but you're living it up and paying five grand a month and, and you're having just a great time in college. You can deduct 900 of that, but you just can't deduct the entire amount. And That'd I, be a one heck of a place. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, it's on the beach for sure. It's on the beach for sure. Month. Exactly. No, no, there are – so let's now talk about – let's kind of shift gears here, Scott. Let's assume that you've done a good job and you're diligent and you're saving money to your 529 plan and you've built up quite a, a good amount there. What happens if you don't use those funds for college? Yeah, so if you don't use those funds for college – um, let's just, so through kind of a couple things, different things can happen. One is let's say you save all this money for your kid to go to college and, and they just end up being a genius and they get a full ride. They get a full ride scholarship. Uh, and you don't need to use these funds. Well, you can take the funds out without penalty, but you would have to pay gains on the growth. Exactly. And if you're thinking about it, you got those, that growth was growing tax-free the entire time anyways. Yeah. So it's just like taking back what was given in some senses. Right. Now, if, you're, um, if your little one grows up and decides that they want to be, you know, maybe a musician and they don't go to school, and not that there's anything wrong with musicians and not going to school, but you have all this money and you need to take it out, you're going to take it out, you're going to pay taxes on the growth and a 10% penalty. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you want to help other people in your family, if you have more than one child or you have someone else in your family who you want to help or there's someone else who could use these funds you do have the ability to transfer the funds to different family members um, so that other people can use the same account exactly so so if you you know you've got johnny he's your oldest and johnny decides not go to college but jimmy you know the second born is going to college you can simply transfer the funds from johnny to jimmy no taxes, no penalties. It's very easy to transfer that. Yes. And the other thing to remember here is like, this isn't just for going to a university, like vocational schools Good point. apply, right? Like, and postgraduate school applies. So if your child gets a full ride scholarship to go play, you know, basketball somewhere, and then they want to go to law school after, they can still use these f- funds to go get a law degree. Yes. Yes. 
Awesome. So I, th- I think that pretty well covers the basics. I know, you know, 529 plans just in summary, the, the benefit is the tax advantage. You're going to save a lot of money on taxes if you use the 529 plan. The downside is the flexibility. You know, if you're not using this for uh, college or even post-college graduate work, there's potentially going to be taxes and penalties for the growth portion of what you put in. Not what you put in, the contributions you get back tax-free, penalty-free, but you may potentially pay taxes and a penalty on the growth. Um, a couple of things I would add to this. When you open a 529 account, you're going to open it up in your name. You might have a successor uh, grantor who's probably going to be your spouse. And then you're going to name the beneficiary, your child, right? You can, and again, you can change that beneficiary in the future, right? That's something just to keep in mind. Um, but another thing to keep in mind is that who is named as the grantor, who's the person who's actually holding the asset matters. So if, if grandma and grandpa really want to help your child save for college, offer to open the 529 account in your name and let them gift into the 529. And the reason that matters is we're not going to dive into it today, but it matters when it comes to financial aid and who's giving money to the student. And if the parents give money and the parents' assets are typically worth less compared to other people giving. So by you doing that ahead of time and knowing that little tip, it could help you a lot when it comes time to pay for college. Yeah, good point. Yeah, the, the fast fund, all that, that definitely matters who who owns a 529 plan asset. So like you said, too, too much information to go into now, but uh, check with someone before making that decision because Absolutely. it does really matter. And then the other key thing, just to hammer it home one last time, you do not have to necessarily open a 529 in your state. Check and see if you get a special tax treatment or a deduction or anything like that for having it in your state. If you don't, go look at find the least expensive plan with the best investment options and choose that state. It doesn't have to be in your state. Awesome. Awesome. Okay, so that's the 529 plan, but there's other options out there. What, what's something else that someone might use to save for college? Uh, well, one that we're, you see less and less, but it does still exist, is called a Coverdell or an uh, education savings account. Um, but with the most recent tax law changes, you're probably not going to choose that anymore. Yeah, to keep this one simple, don't use it. You know, it, it, it used to have a benefit in that you could pay for uh, private high school with, with Coverdell ESA funds. And now with the 529 plan, you're allowed to do that up to a certain limit as well. So the benefits that they're used to be with an ESA or Coverdell uh, ESA, for the most part, no longer exist. There may be some special cases, but I, I just don't see many uses for it going forward unless you see something differently, Scott. No, I would agree. And just to give a touch more color, the the now up to $10,000 per year can be used out of a 529 account for private school, right? for um, like K through 12 education. Whether or not you decide to do that's kind of outside the scope of today's conversation. But just know that um, ESA is something you might see, but it's probably more than likely a 529 would be a better option. Exactly. Okay. So we got 529 plans. We have the ESA. Um, what about just a taxable account, a normal investment account? Do you see people using that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, for you know, one of the biggest things to think about is control and uh, you know, keeping an account, keeping 
assets in your own in your own name and taxable accounts or in a family trust, um, you have control over those assets. They don't get passed on to your kids, and you don't deal with the penalty if they go ahead and if you don't need the funds in a five twenty nine account. Um, you also don't get the tax free growth, right? <laughs> uh, so, so you know, but I, you know, some people might choose to use a. a a taxable account. I mean, the the upside is the biggest ones retain a control of the funds, and, and there's no penalties if they're not used for college, right? We've already mentioned them. Um, and then you can give funds to children to purchase. You, kids could use it for something else is the other thing. So, you know, if you start to get so much money saved, if you're doing really, really well, and you maybe want to set side, aside money for a down payment on a home or things like that in the future, it might be a nice place to go put funds. Well, and that's what I see. I see a lot of people coming to me saying, James, we would love to be able to fund our children's college, but we don't know what they're going to do. They might not go to college. They might want that money to start a business instead. They might need it for a down payment instead. And while we want to support that, the 529 plan might not be the best for them just because if you're not using that money for college, you're going to be penalized and taxed on any of that growth. And with a taxable account, to be clear, you still are taxed on that growth. You're not getting the tax deferral that a 529 plan offers, but you retain control of that. And if you want to give it to your son or daughter to start a business or as a down payment or whatever it may be, uh, you have much more control and don't have to worry about the penalties when you go that route instead. Yeah, agreed. So taxes are the main downside of a taxable account. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So 529 plan, ESA, taxable account. What's next? Uh, so UGMA and, and UTMA. So it's a uniform transfer minors, uniform transfer, uniform transfer to minors, to minors account, account mm-hmm. or a uniform gift to minors account. And depending on the state you're in, they could have a different name. Uh, but why don't we talk about those? Yeah. So what that is, is when you fund an UTMA, so UTMA is just UTMA. Uh, if you fund an UTMA, you're making an irrevocable gift to this account. It's almost like a simplified trust. You're you're funding this account and you could you retain control over those assets while the money is growing, but once the child reaches the age of majority, which here in California is 18, that account becomes legally it's the, it's the child's. You no longer have control over that. So this can be something that's good if you say I want to save money for my child, but I'm not sure if that will be used for college or if it will be used for a down payment or a business or whatever. This could be a good tool for that. But the downside is if your child turns 18 and you find out your kid's kind of a punk, you don't really have much say in terms of what they go do with that money. Yeah, but uh, honestly, James, like even 18-year-olds who aren't punks probably should you don't necessarily (laughs) want them to be in charge of large amounts of money right like that's why we set up trusts so that kids don't get assets until they're 25 30 and 35 for the same reason exactly so i don't see these accounts used that often the benefit is as the money grows unlike a taxable account the money up to a certain limit and i forget exactly what that limit is you may but it's, it's taxed at the kid's tax rate which if your kid's not working it's zero so you can get a, a good amount of growth in these accounts without actually paying any taxes, and that's the benefit of doing this over simply you know, investing the money on behalf of your children, but in an, in an individual account or a jo- joint account or trust account in your name. Yeah, so again, there might be some tax advantages for the growth, but you're also giving them complete control at what I would consider a young age. It's either it's 18 in California, some states it's 21. I think there might be a state where it's as late as 25, but but it's just, you know, that's that's a really really young age to turn over a large amount of money to mm-hmm. someone. Exactly. Exactly. So that's why I don't think either of us see it that much, but just wanted to touch upon that as an option. And then the last option 
kind of more of a creative option, but you want to talk about the last thing that we see as being a, a viable tool for people to save for college? Yeah. So, um, you know, a lot of people will come and go, great, I want to save to a 529. And I'm like, that's wonderful too. But you may not want to put all of your money into a 529. So obviously you can do a lot of, uh, you can mix and match with a lot of things, taxable accounts, 529s. Another option you can look at are Roth IRAs. So, um, and the way I, the way I personally think of this, and James, you can add color if you feel differently, but typically it's a family who can afford, has cash flow to save for retirement anyway. Right. So they're probably doing, um, maybe you're making normal contributions to a Roth, but more than likely you're doing what sometimes is called a backdoor Roth contribution. Right where you're making a contribution to an IRA and then converting that money to a Roth. Um, and if you do that every year as a couple, you can you can build up eleven, well, $12,000 a year now mm-hmm. uh, per year. And if you let that grow, once the kids get to school, if you're over age 59 and a half, you can use all of you know any of those funds for any reason, including paying for college. Um, you can also, uh, if you're under 59 and a half, uh, you, and you've been doing conversions, as long as it's been five years, you can use the contribution amounts, right? Exactly. Uh, and the 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 kind of the, the nice thing about it is it's it's resilient. So if you don't need to use it for college, well, now you've just padded your your uh, retirement. And now you can take nicer vacations when you retire. <laughs> exactly. Or you can gift more to the kids mm-hmm. or do other things, right? Mm-hmm. And um, if you do need it for college, well, just make sure you're working with an advisor who doesn't double count that as a retirement asset and a college right. asset, and then you're fine. Exactly. And I, I almost tell people when I'm describing a, a 529 plan to go back a bit. I say, think of it as almost like as like a Roth IRA, but for college. Meaning, at least here in California, with a Roth IRA and a 529 plan, you don't get a tax deduction for making the contribution. That money grows tax-free. And then when you pull the money out, assuming it's for qualified education expenses, that money is also tax-free in a 529 plan, just like a Roth IRA. Now, the added benefit of the Roth IRA is if you're 59 and a half, you could take that money out for college if you want to, totally tax-free. Or to your point, Scott, you could let that keep growing. And that's funding family vacations or that's funding other stuff in retirement. And it just has a lot better fallback options. There's a lot more flexibility with it when you're using a Roth IRA instead of a 529 plan. The the thing I caution people most with this is you have to you you have to weigh the trade offs. Is this Roth IRA needed in your own kind of retirement plan? Do you need to be, be making these contributions for yourself? If so, maybe don't use it for college. If you've already funded your retirement or you're already on track to be able to have a good healthy retirement, this could be another option. Just kind of more of a creative option that gives you more um, more flexibility to either use it for college if needed or use it for your own personal needs in retirement. Yep, exactly. And in all honesty, it, it again, it creates that resiliency. So I'm a big fan of it for clients um, as a way for them to go ahead and save for college and for retirement. Yeah, yeah, awesome. Well, I think what we wanted to do here is we wanted to give a few different options because everyone's situation is different. Everyone has different priorities. Everyone's um, kind of going about things a little bit differently. So I think we just wanted to lay out the high-level overview of what these different options were, kind of give some pros and cons of each of them, and then just allow you to make a well-informed decision with what's best for you. But Scott, did you have anything that you wanted to add to any of the options we discussed or anything else? No, I think, you know, in concert together, they're all a great, uh, you can use any of them to create a solution. It's just a matter of what's the right fit for you. Exactly, exactly. Awesome. Well, there you have it, and we will be back next time. 
Thanks, yeah. Scott. Have a good one. Thank you for listening to episode number eight of the Real Personal Finance Podcast. We hope you're enjoying the show. And for a list of the resources and show notes from today's episode, please head over to the Real Personal Finance website at realpersonalfinance.co. That's realpersonalfinance.co and find episode number eight. If you're enjoying the podcast, please subscribe. And if you would leave us a review, that'd be very helpful. It'd allow more people to find the podcast. And if you have a question you'd like for us to answer, then head over to the Real Personal Finance website. And there'll be a section on the bottom of each page there where you can submit your very own question that Scott and I will answer on a future episode. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next time. This podcast is for informational and entertainment purposes only. and should not be relied upon for a basis for investment decision. This podcast is not engaged in rendering legal, financial, or other professional services.